Hello and welcome to yet another School.ie podcast with me, Nigel, and him, Borg. Hello. So for our 27th podcast, we're tackling the best and worst films that we saw at the annual Dublin Film Festival, which was previously sponsored by Jemison, having that has ended just last night. And um, this was their 13th and final time to uh, sponsor the festival. Um, it was interesting that Grony Humphreys, the festival director, said at the Surprise Film Festival that the festival itself has been going for about 30 years. Yeah. Because the Surprise Film was on yesterday and she was talking to a member of the audience who was there for the first one. And yeah, it's 30 years. I was like, oh, it's pretty good going. I know, it's a bit weird. People talk about this in sporting terms that like soccer didn't um, exist before 1992 when the Premier League came into existence. So like... a couple of, um, last year they celebrated two years ago they celebrated 20 years of football wow <laughs> but really you know it was really the Premier League but people the capitalisation it's like as if records only began then so like that's sort of what the idea here with the Jemison Film Festival has been that it feels like JDF is a new thing but I think there was a year or two where there was no film festival I'm not sure I think before JDF came back into existence anyway it's exciting they can start from scratch they can put it on a different time of year they probably won't have Jemison or a sponsor in the title i imagine i'd say they have the they're strong enough now that they can call it the dublin film festival and then have a big huge keynote sponsor whoever that will be mm. i don't know viagra. i hope it's somebody exciting viagra maybe not Headshots. but i hope it's not like a born car thing i just kind of yeah. presume guinness or heineken will sweep in and just the drinks yeah brand. yeah i don't know in terms of alcohol like they can only sponsor so much nowadays so it, it i mean it's a huge brand awareness thing but i'm sure they know this and will be charging lots so mm. um yeah, it is. It's exciting. But anyway, um, we're going to start off with a film that we saw in the first weekend of the festival. It's about a couple in their 40s trying to recapture their 20s. Well, it's just a strained muscle. But the more concerning thing here is your arthritis. Arthritis? Yes, you have arthritis in your knee. Is uh, arthritis a catch-all for some kind of injury to the... Uh... No, arthritis is a degradation of the joints. Yeah, I know what traditional arthritis is, but... I'm not sure what you mean by traditional, but this is arthritis. Arthritis? Arthritis? Yes. I usually just say it once. Yeah, so that was Ben Stiller in While We're Young, the new film from Noah Baumbach. Bit of arthritis. Arthritis, arthritis. The classic uh, hipster joke. Yeah, so it's... Good film, very funny. I kind of said in my review that if you've seen the trailer, you've seen most of the funny bits. Yet there is a hilarious moment where uh, uh, Ben Stiller has to pitch his documentary that he's trying to finish. He's been working on it for about oh, 10 years, I think they said. He was kind yeah, of this... The like, documentary sounded class. Yeah, <laughs> he was like this protege when he was younger and it was like, oh, he's going to be the next amazing documentary maker. And his father-in-law is actually a fantastic documentary maker too. So he's kind of living in his shadow and his wife, who's played by Naomi Watts, is trying to get him to finish it. And he's kind of like stuck in the mud, a bit of a quagmire. And he comes across this young couple played by um, Adam, Adam Driver and Amanda Seafried. Seafried from Mean Girls fame. So yeah, they're, they're kind of this young modern day hipster, also direct films. And they kind of pull Ben Stiller out of his funk. But then it turns into something kind of sinister when you're not 100% sure of Adam Driver's motives. And has he all been planning this just to get to Ben Stiller and more so to get to his father-in-law? Yeah, to actually get his break in the industry that he just concocted. Yeah. Um, This thing, yeah. Did you, So I, when I read your review and a bit talking to you after it, because we saw this one together, um, I don't think you really loved it. But No, because I love Francis Ha so much and I kind of noticed, oh yeah, well... Greta Gerwig didn't have anything to do with this. And this is more to me like the No Bombeck films of old, where it's more kind of sneering and a bit. Yeah, it's uh, quite mis. Not, maybe not misogynist, but like Darby is incredibly underdeveloped. She makes. Yeah. This is Amanda Seyfried's one. She uh-huh. makes ice cream and yeah. she looks like she's really like attractive and you don't know much else about her like you know it's all about the men in it and it's quite a mean film it's like very it's really looking down its nose at like hipster culture and like most of these people right okay a small minority of them are like up their own hole it's the extreme brooklyn hipster i think yeah but like on the whole they're nice people and you know it's just kind of and i also think he's having a real pot shot at documentaries he's never made a documentary himself i'm not the biggest fan of documentaries either but he's almost kind of been like 
there's no such thing as documentaries anymore because we're in this 24-7, everybody records everything, nothing is unique, whereas only real filmmakers who are doing a story it's like a very fiction. valid point, though. Yeah, like if you want but to step back, like I, I in can... the tone in which he does it, I think it's more so like a grumpy old man in his forties, mm. and you have the whole thing as well where, um, what is it? The couple, the Beastie Boy, is some of his couple friend have just had a kid, so there's that yeah. thing. It was like, oh well, we have a kid, and I don't think Noah Baumbach has any children, so it's almost He's like validating his own. Yeah, Mrs. and like th- there's a yeah. quote in the film um, that he says during his lecture that Goddard said. A documentary is about other people and fiction is about me so i just think this is ben stiller's just playing no yeah. bombic you know so it's kind of like it's good and it's funny but i was just like eh, on the whole i was a bit yeah i i kind of agree with the yeah that i don't really agree with the politics i'm not sure at what stage in life this would really speak to you if you happen to be the like the person in your late 30s who has opted not to have kids as this couple have they've i mean they've tried to have kids and it hasn't worked out um, and so is it validating that or what? But then the film takes a narrative twist toward the very end and it has a certain conclusion. And um, it has one of the best closing shots that people can look forward to. This is out on Friday. Yes, and um, the closing shot is very clever and very funny. And there's there's plenty of laughs. Like I'd highly recommend it, but just I don't know if it's as if it's speaks as much as it could but i did like it more than you like it's in the it's in the four stars it's a woody allen film to me as well like in a way yeah it is that kind of new york and the young new the york music as well and, yeah, yeah everything about it and even so i don't and yet people i don't know did he mention woody allen much but uh maybe it's not cool to mention woody no he's not really textures. of the moment anymore yeah and so noah bombach and greta gerwig have their uh their film out is that this due for the festivals this year mistress america oh, yes. that you were saying it already has played at some festivals i think it sounds pretty interesting it's like greta gerwig being a mother figure kind of to a younger teenager oh right um, played at sundance yeah so right. should hopefully see it towards the end of the year so if only, probably... only jadif had actually gotten that film as well what a coup that would have been so this yeah. is the problem with having your festival in march that kind of uh you don't get you get last year's <laughs> festivaly sundance stuff um, so that's the kind of issue. But all in all, a good, you know, it's one of the big titles from, from it, one of the big ca- calling cards, and yet it's only, it's something that was... But again, it's kind of a classic Jedif thing of it has a film that comes out yeah, two yeah. weeks later. Yeah. But um, so we had great trivia in this as well. Um, you mentioned Adam, is it Horowitz, the Beastie Boys? Nah, yeah. A-ro- I don't know. I don't really like the Beastie Boys, so I don't ah, know. Ah, okay. A-Rock? Was he's, his not, name? he's the one who's not yeah. dead. Yeah, and they yeah. can't be the Beastie Boys anymore, so he's now doing a bit of acting. So he's quite good in it. Yeah, as someone who's a non-like trained actor, I suppose. I I liked his character, and he apparently um, went for the role of uh, Keanu Reeves. No, there was a Keanu Reeves. He went to play a uh, audition in the Doors film that Oliver Stone directed. Um, oh, right. that ended up casting Val Kilmer Val Kilmer perfect oh. yeah but he apparently was off his head on LSD or mushrooms and he went in and he basically said to Oliver Stone was like you're not going to cast me in this movie and Oliver Stone was like yeah no I'm not going to cast you in this oh. um, so yeah apparently maybe he's been trying to crack in for a while but um, nice of you know. something to do yeah. um, my favourite bit of trivia is uh, other than that is that Peter from Peter Paul and Mary is the guy who plays the the academic that Ben Stiller's character um is it uh, I can't remember his name is interviewing for his documentary he's Fantastic. Peter that's brilliant uh, yeah Peter Yarrow so wow. that was good trivia so you have a Beastie Boy and thing I saw that in some review where that's it brilliant. was like what sort of film will have both of those people in there yeah um so yeah that's it uh, next up then we saw it that weekend as well was uh, ninety nine homes. Um, this is directed by Ramin Barani. This is a big disappointment for me because I thought this was going to be fantastic. Um, R- Ramin Barani is one of uh, was one of Roger Ebert's um, favorite directors, and he's um, this film is dedicated to him. And um, Ramin Barani is in the <laughs> Life itself documentary and speaks like they're like best friends and everything. So he's done other films, um, Goodbye Solo, Man Push Cart. I haven't seen either of them. I'm not sure after this whether I will. Like for a long time, because you know you read a lot of Ebert stuff and you he hailed this guy as one of America's best new filmmakers. Got a clip here. Uh, this is Andrew Garfield is the main person in it. He plays a father who um, he's kind of a construction worker who isn't getting paid for jobs because this is slap-bang in the middle of the recession, and um, he's trying to get back the Florida home that he was just evicted from, along with his mother and 
son. son. And so this is a clip of him where he's just been evicted and he's got a few issues with the guys who did the job. You stole, uh, you stole some tools from me yesterday during my eviction. Whoa, 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 whoa. See your sales manager was talking about, man. man. Problem. You stole 500 bucks. You're just making up bullshit. Worth my fucking tools. Shut up. I didn't steal your fucking tools. We have a form you can fill out. If you have an issue, we got a hey. form you can fill out. No, you need to just form. go just back my to your house it's an in, it's an and look for your tools again. You don't have a fucking house, right? So yeah, give him his tools back. Yeah. Um, Michael Shannon was amazing in this. Yeah, film. Michael Shannon, we we got kind of coming into it. He, my problem with the film was that Michael Shannon plays the estate agent or estate broker, as they call him in America, real estate broker who kind of buys stuff from the bank, but is doing buying the house, buys the houses after they've been repossessed, but seemingly manages it and is. Then really he does in some pretty it. dodgy shit as well, yeah, whereby he, there's a loophole where yeah. you steal something from the house, say it's missing. And then uh, the bank the says, oh, here, yeah, you know, it's yeah. very shitty stuff. So I suspect this kind of thing doesn't happen as much now, but it's the kind of thing that at the height of the housing crisis was probably going wrong. And yeah. what was the bank in it? Fannie Mae and Freddie yeah. Mae. They mentioned one of them that yeah. tanked anyway. But like Morgan, he, I'm not sure. Michael, yeah, careful now, I don't want to get sued. Yeah. Michael Shannon is almost like this Al Pacino figure in Glengarry, Glen Ross. He is this loads of different speeches where he's just like look there's money to be made here you can sit and cry you know and say oh America screwed me over or you can stand up and make a buck again you know yeah. like America's not built for losers it's built for achievers and like it's weird like when you're watching it you don't think you'd agree with this and if you met this person in real life you'd be like what an asshole but when yeah. you're watching him on the film he kind of he suckers you in and you're like yeah let's go for it yeah and then Andrew Garfield is this absolute wimp He's a lame he has... Yeah, they try... Like, Andrew Garfield, we know as, like, geeky, awkward guy from... Like, and he just kind of continues this here. He doesn't have any yeah. bones. He looks like he's about to cry in every single scene. Someone said this, that he um he, he has his mouth open for a lot of the films. So it's a lot of gaping, like catching fly. And in Florida, around the swamps, there would have been lots of mosquitoes and flies. So, um yeah, it's it's a weird performance from him because I didn't connect with him at all. Um, if you feel any empathy like you know and you should like because yeah. you know he's losing his home he lives there with his mother we don't know why where the son's like Gar Garfield's former yeah. wife or yeah. girlfriend they don't even explain like the whole thing was cut together ridiculously badly that it jumps like there's a scene where he runs away from a motel leaving his mother and son locked in the room because like some of the guys have found out this is a mo this is a really interesting idea like that was interesting yeah, this yeah. motel is full of people who live there full time who've all been evicted and they don't know that he is he's now working for the man he's doing a landlord this job. And such, yeah. yeah and so they find this out and he runs off and goes to a party and like gets drunk and has sex and with this random woman and that in itself should be fun but it feels like it was cut together from another point in the film because the son and the mother were locked in their room like they could have been beaten up at the time or someone so could have broken in and tried really to shoot badly them you cut know together yeah and looked kind of and the end is quite bad as well because it, it tries to go for this big moralistic oh yeah. he's really a good guy but there's like 10 follow-on questions you want to ask and it's just like this is just nonsense yeah. and I basically was like, more shannon less garfield yeah yeah you know it could have been a wall street equivalent you know with michael douglas but it just it's a nonsense such a waste and really yeah, no, kind of a, i mean it, I, I enjoyed the, like, the pro-american yeah. stuff this is another film we're going to talk about in a second now the surprise film good kill yeah but 99 homes had me there an hour in i was like yeah this is kind of going well i'm with it and but then it turned its main person into a wimp and they just did this whole oh, i'll take the moral thing and oh, i'll just go get my wife back you know like screw that yeah. it's the exact same thing <laughs> we've just ruined it in a way but in good kill and this was the surprise film. So every year, the Jemison Dublin International Film Festival do a surprise film where this started, whatever, 30 years ago when a reel didn't show up and they showed something that they didn't. So I think they were one of the first festivals around the world to do this. 
And um, it's a good tradition. Um, over the years, I've seen stuff like uh, Starsky and Hutch, 300. Uh, the Muppets movie did it last year. Greenberg was there a good What's few years ago. What's been your favourite? My favourite one was uh, Starsky and Hutch, because it was really good. We had a crap one then with James McAvoy on a motorbike. that I can't even remember what it was called two years ago. So it's very hit and miss. The Muppets was quite enjoyable. Like, in a oh man, we're seeing the new Muppets film. And even if it wasn't. But this was a disappointment. Um... Again, so Good Kill is a film that stars Ethan Hawke as a, a Air Force pilot who's actually not an Air Force pilot um, now because he flies a drone. So he goes into like a, a, a truck container on an army base just outside Las Vegas every day in his costume. <laughs> in my head, I'm like, why do they wear the full flight suit and then not wear a helmet or put oxygen masks on? Like, why not go the whole hog? Um, so anyway, Ethan Hawke is the dad. Uh, J- January Jones is the wife, and uh, she is terrible. She's basically a joke of an actress. I, at times, I, I love her in Mad Men because she plays someone who looks like she's sedated all the time. And I mean, they made a joke of it that they, she's on, you know, she's on medication in Mad Men, you know, going through issues and everything. And they've kind of worked around it. But here, she's meant to be pretty much stereotypical, wholesome girl next door wife. But she is really, really wooden. It's very hard to have any empathy. And it's such a stereotypical kind of film because it's like, even though he's not at war, he may as well be. He can't yeah. function. He has to be in action the whole time. He's an alcoholic. Again, terrible ending to the film. It just takes... So I, the one part of the film I did think it, that was interesting and did kind of wonder how they did it is... So he's operating these drones. He's in an airfield base in uh, Nevada, uh, Las Vegas. And he just is there with a joystick. He pulls a trigger. And in Afghanistan, 10 people just get blown up. Mm-hmm. And the way they show all the footage of that, I was like, that's pretty interesting. And it's yeah. like, it, it's done well. But, you know, he's this alcoholic. He can't focus. And towards the end, then, it's just like, oh, he just decides I'm going to help this one person. Because there's a pretty horrible story where there's uh, one terrorist or... Suspected person who is on a surveillance list. Yeah. They don't really even know. So uh, rather than just shooting yeah. uh, bomb sites, they also just kind of watch houses. And it's set in 2010. So I was like, all right, is this going to turn into like this, the Obama, sorry, the Obama watching the Bin Laden compound? Yeah. Um, but no. No. Because <laughs> there was obviously like, we can't do that. They probably should own the rights to that story. So mm. he just again becomes tries to become this real moralistic preacher kind of I'm the good guy in America is really good deep down, and it just you doesn't it doesn't buy. I'm looking up the director Andrew Nikolai here. Uh, he directed Gattaca. Yeah, and Fought he the, directed the, the, In Time, which Niall Sheeran yeah. reviewed for the website. But Justin Timberlake yeah. did the thing that wasn't terrible about the gun. Um, industry with Nicolas Cage what, uh, Lord, Lord, Lord of War, War he directed that, that. that's yeah. pretty good too it was okay yeah, yeah. Um, he wrote the Truman Show yeah that's probably still the claim to fame yeah um, but this I was just like and Ethan Hawke kind of yeah. phones in his thing there's nothing really haven't seen him in boyhood and that he can really act was it the same car actually I wondered I don't think so because he drives a Corvette in it is it a Corvette or uh, some Chevy, Mustang yeah. I don't know yeah. it was our yeah. car not some black thing that looks cool yeah. I wonder does he, does he do a Sam yeah. Raimi Evil Dead thing where he has to have his car in every film I don't know <laughs> um, it, it is and like it's an American story though this isn't our war I always say this when it comes to this stuff like even but you shouldn't then be trying to sell it to, you know, intelligent Western audiences and pitching that this, like, oh, he's killed thousands, but when you ki- when you save one life, you know, you're not, you're not like Gandhi or whatever, you know? He definitely is not Gandhi. Either. No. And uh, Lenny Kravitz's uh, daughter is in it, and she is a ridiculous character who gets one of the worst lines of cinema ever. Like, I'm first class wings, and I really am first class. That's terrible, yeah. It was terrible. She could have been interested. She was a really... What a waste of a, of a character, though, because she yeah. came in as a newcomer um, she as really a female only, to a very macho. Yeah. She opted. She she signed up. She wasn't, like... But it was all just a device it. to make the... There's, like, a rape storyline in it. To ha- make it have more impact. Like, yeah, and you're just, like... She's waste. Completely one-dimensional. Yeah. But anyway, um, I think we should talk about some films that we loved, even though I did, like, while we're young. We've just talked about two that disappointed us. Yeah. Um, but that weren't atrocious either. I did take something positive from the first hour of both of those films. Yeah. But they messed up their endings, 100%. Um, I might talk about A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night uh, very quickly. So um, this is a film from an Iranian-American 
uh, director called Anna Lily Amirpour. Amirpour. Very good. And uh, this film played at Sundance last year, but um, and then came out last winter in America. So it's finally showing up here. It's a black and white vampire story, um, and it's absolutely brilliant. Um, it's it incredibly play it serious, unique. Or? It played it knowledgeably serious, kind of in like. Yeah, no, it did. It did. It's not what we do in the shadows. No, no, no. It's one hundred percent not a comedy. Like it's, but it has some funny knowing, like nods, and it's it's really really smart. You know, that you just come out of a film knowing this is a genre film that's really smart. So it ticks boxes for western films. It it has the look and feel of like a Frank Miller kind of. You know, it's maybe what the Sin City sequel could have been last year. Like in the the, the place is set like it's an Iranian town, but it's called Bad City, and um, yeah, it's really really worthwhile. Uh, as I say, cinema like the cinematographer deserves huge credit. They shot it in in California, so she's an Iranian director, and they're getting it's it's in Hebrew and um, and everything. But it is funded by American companies and everything, so uh, it's a good trick. It's playing in that way as well. So, um, but it's really good. She the um, the main character is a wonderful kind of example of like a pro, you know, feminist kind of thing, which in the Middle East is hugely important because uh you know they don't really have many rights so she goes around with her hijab and just on a skateboard and it kind of has a real it plays with your your kind of uh so is it an allegory or metaphor for anything like are the vampires male people in muslim culture or really no 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 she like she's the only vampire in it and like it's a it's a i'm gonna kind of maybe kill like she you know she gets some of the bad male misogynist characters get their comeuppance at her at her hand and drugs as well like drugs the main guy the bad guy is a drug dealer who has the word sex labeled onto his neck and everything and um you know it's just very very it's 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 just really good gory basically it's gory enough, but not in a in 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 a horrible way. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Plus, it's black and white, so you don't really see blood. It's hard oh, for black brilliant. and white to be gory. It's all yeah. suggestive, rather than anything. So that's worth seeing. I don't know it, when that's coming out. I did write these down, but who knows? Anyway, it doesn't matter. It'll be good. Coming kill out soon. apparently is coming out in the tenth of April in the UK. It doesn't have an Irish date pencil in there, but don't go see it anyway. Based on what we say, uh, another one. Just while you look up the release date for that, the canal. I saw it. Um, it's from writer-director Ivan Kavanagh, and it stars uh, Rupert Evans, Steve Orman, and Antonia Campbell-Hughes, who we're a big fan of. And it's a I horror story. We're a big, I think you're a big fan of it. Oh, I think she's Campbell's. good in most films. Yeah, well, like, okay, it's fine. Then Nigel hates her. I think no, she's good. I don't good. hate. I just can't fine, say I'm a grand, big fan. Okay. Oh. Um, <laughs> so it's a good horror film, actually, and it's a great premise whereby because we're irish we know it's set in dublin we're like oh there's the national archive and there's the canal and there's x y and c it's not putting no, the because bridge the, there's no the guardian spire. in it it's police um it doesn't tell you you know there's irish people in it and there's english people in it so i think that's was quite a conscious decision that the director after the film was saying he wants it set in a kind of nowhere place so it'll also obviously play better was abroad. the director at this is mm-hmm. one of the big because this played at Galway but then it's been radio silence since then but I think it's so. been kind of going around America and it's building up a lot of like underground cult status it's getting very good reviews and it's well deserved so the premise is there's um this man works in the National Archive he buys a house with his wife and then it goes to five years later and he's still working in the archive and he gets some footage in from the police old archives of you know old footage of murder cases and stuff like that so he's sitting down in the lighthouse which you wouldn't know unless you're from dublin yeah and he's watching the film and black were you in the lighthouse watching it as well yeah yeah wasn't the same screen though which was good um and like a street name comes up and he's like oh that's my street and then it zooms in and you know that there was a horrible murder committed in that house and then he starts freaking out being like oh shit someone was killed in my house so you kind of, someone who's aware of horror films can kind of fill in the gaps and stuff starts going wrong and you're wondering, is there ghosts or it's him or what's going on? Um, it has one of the most disturbing and kind of disgusting scenes I've ever seen in a horror film. <coughs> where like, I can't even talk about it because it's a spoiler. Give me, uh, give me one keyword. Uh, is it a body thing? Is there something happened to someone's body? Like, baby. Baby. Oh, okay, okay, brilliant. And it's just like, Jesus, I can't believe. And it was interesting watching it like live because everyone else around me was going like, 
Jesus Christ, I can't believe they're showing that. So they show it, and you're just like, right. So that kind of, you know, that's towards the end of the film, and it's kind of like the pinnacle of it. You're just like, wow. But there is good jumps and shocks in it. Uh, I won't say too much more, because the spoiler. Yeah. And it has a very interesting final scene, I think, ending where you're like, oh, God, that's a bit dark. So, yeah, I was very impressed in it. It's kind of, and, like, it's more in an American, not in the way it's shot, and it's a bit, more clever but it kind of is in that america genre of horror film where it's kind of shocks and yeah. and the american poster is amazing i have it here yeah like, perfect i mean compared to the irish one which tries to sell it like it doesn't the irish one doesn't go for the big classic genre uh thing but the, the american one it looks like the exorcist like she's coming out of water yeah. and but it's it's very good well worth a look and um yeah it was definitely it's out in may in the uk apparently I, like, and here too as and well here. they're oh, saying okay. yeah yeah. That's a big deal for it. Um, the next one I'm going to look at, we have a clip for, because we haven't had a clip in a while. A lot of these films aren't getting proper ones, so we're going to watch this clip. This is uh, Listen Up, Philip. Listen Up, Philip, which uh, stars Jason Schwartzman, Elizabeth Moss, and is directed by Alex Ross Perry. So this is uh, Jason Schwartzman's character uh, going, he stars as Philip, uh, and he's going for a photo shoot. Um, he's an author, and he's, um, it's very funny. So here is the clip. What is this for? Could you open it as though you're reading, then look at me again? I don't want to do that. Why? That's well, a poor idea. Why would I be standing up with my jacket buttoned reading? It's just a prop. Yeah, I can see that, but I think it presents a very false depiction of me. I'd much rather this picture at least seem honest. You no, know, Tolkien wouldn't allow himself to be photographed writing because he didn't allow anybody to watch him work. Same idea here, just slightly modified to suit me. Philip. Um, so, yeah, it's very funny like he, yeah. he um F philip's character is weird like he's very very funny for a while but then over time he kind of grates a little bit because that tone is like he's continually reading funny lines and that's his whole character like he has a you know it's a character defect almost in him and that's elizabeth moss then plays a photographer and his girlfriend and um she's brilliant in it you forget like you know we know her as peggy from mad men mostly but then like she's so good in this at being the kind of the girl, like they just don't get on and it's it's really good so he's in his own little world he becomes friends with um another author uh played by jonathan price who you might know from uh, i think it was tomorrow never dies as the bad guy in it you'd know his face he's one of these old guys with a face right. um but anyway so it's a book for people who know about like literature and everything like that and i don't read a lot of books so but apparently it's all based around philip roth and his sort of books and like in sort of a big message around that but um shot on 16 millimeters so it looks amazing like it's really warm like Fantastic, you saw in the yeah. clip there and um jason schwartzman is brilliant in it but i think f for some people you'll watch it and he'll get too annoying to okay. actually so you gotta be J jason fan like yeah but he's meant to piss you off as well like because you're not he is uh, and like nah, an so. antagonist as, as much as anything but he is he is so good in it um, and have you got a release date for that sorry did you say at the start um do i have a release date no i don't have a release date you had a really uh what <laughs> um no don't know grand okay brilliant so came out to watch an, another one of these things though that came out last halloween in, in america States, played yeah. at sundance a year ago like i think the basically the thing you just do is you look at sundance from from 15 months ago and <laughs> all that so yeah. Um, UK, fifth mm, of June apparently. Brilliant. For so it's something one to look forward to. So what? again, it's very funny, very clever, but possibly one to. Work okay, with. I'm gonna quickly do two documentaries, neither of which. Oh yeah, and I have four documentaries. Brilliant. I think we've covered all our fiction zones, have we? That we want to. Talk uh, about? No, I'll go back to two. But all right. Uh, so Dennis Rodman's Big Bang in Pyongyang. Uh, it's directed by Colin Offland, and it's kind of gone crazy because of the interview he was saying after the thing. Nobody really wanted to care about the documentary, but because the interview in North Korea was threatening to like blow up America, everybody suddenly is amazed now. So it's the story of Dennis Rodman becoming friendly Who's with Dennis Rodman? Kim Jong-un. He's a basketball player with the Chicago is that Bulls. Well known? Does everyone who would have been at the documentary know that? I know who he is. I think so, and so did I. Like When, we, when he was big, people, right? there was like highlights on UTV and ITV yeah. of the week's basketball, That's and the Chicago Bulls were the team, kind of. Yeah, after Michael Jordan in my head, Rodman... Yeah. Probably the second most famous crossover sort of person. So he became friends with Kim Jong-un and Paddy Power. There's a bit of a nefarious thing from the start with Paddy Power where they're like, they got wind of him going over and visiting and they were like, why don't you play a basketball game? And they're like, we'll sponsor you and we'll give you loads of money. Then Kim Jong-un decides to kill his uncle. 
for shits and giggles. And uh, that's when Paddy Power pull out. So a lot more pressure on Dennis Rodman. Paddy Power love to pull out things. They're basically, that's their form of contraception. Yeah. <laughs> that basically, they're just always going to pull out. Like they always seem to sponsor things. And then, you know, like Gets they were going to sponsor David Junola to be president of FIFA and president of the world. And then they pulled out. Yeah. So, so all the pressure becomes a bit much for Rodman, who is uh, an alcoholic. Goes off the wagon, and here we have a clip of some of the effects, basically. Because you know, he killed people a lot. No, I didn't know that. Do we in America? Yeah. What? Why am I doing it? Why am I trying to change shit? You know, I'm not Martin Luther King. I'm not this bullshit. If someone shoot me, please do it today. Do it fucking today, right now. I'm right here. Fuck it. So we can see there that it's all becoming a bit too much. And this was like my one of my main complaints for the documentary. It seems to be quite exploitative of him. Um, yeah. and Do you think he just signed a waiver beforehand saying, yeah, make the documentary, whatever you need to do. Oh, totally. And, and But like, that's often with, with him that care for him. He's got an entourage like, and they all but seem used. It's more like yes men. Yeah, the, blood sucking, yeah. kind of taking stuff out of him. And it's kind of, it has an Irish connection, obviously, because Matt Cooper narrates the film and he went over on the trip. It was quite funny when everyone was like, where's Matt Cooper? And then a press release came out from News Talk, from Today FM being like, Matt Cooper's in North Korea. And everyone was like, what? <laughs> so it, there's, it gives one of the surrealist moments I've seen in a film for quite some time whereby, because he's narrating it and obviously nobody in America will know who he is. And there's an incident where Dennis Rodman, pissed, starts screaming at Matt Cooper and giving the game away that he's there to write a book, which Matt Cooper has not admitted to. He's like, oh, I'm just a sports journalist. So Matt Cooper's shitting himself. But in the narration, it's like, oh, Irish journalist, Matt Cooper was then put upon by Dennis Rodman. And you're like, he's referring to himself in the third person. Weird. This is so strange. And everyone in the audience kind of bursts out laughing. But obviously it'll work better in America when no one will really know. Mm-hmm. That it's the same narration. I don't know if it works really well because he kind of gives it a jokey tone the way he does well, it. you know a lot about it. Like, I think with a narrator like that, like, why why did they even use Matt Cooper then? Like, I, mean, I think it's the Paddy Power connection as well. He kind of said after it that he was talking was to... That year. He was talking to the ex, I don't know if it's CEO or chairperson of Paddy Power and he was hoping to get a documentary out of it. But your man was like, oh, no, well, this other guy has the rights to it and stuff. So it's all very incestuous. They all seem to know each other and be all, like, attending the same stuff. So Weird. Um, I wasn't really that impressed by it. Another quick one that wasn't great after Can the dance. Can I just dance. Add, who gets yep. the last word in um, in the Dennis Rodman one? Uh, I think he does. Of, of course From he rehab. Because he owns... Oh, he does. You don't yeah, mean Rodman, Cooper. no. Just because he, you know, shows the last word and all that, you know? Yeah. All right. Anyway, after uh, the dance is directed... There's a tumbleweed sound effect on our <laughs> soundboard that we have now. Dizzy oh. Athquith. It's kind of... How do you pronounce your surname? Uh, it's not great for people with lisps. Oh, D- Daisy Asquith. Asquith. Uh, she directed this film called After the Dance, and it tells the story of her traveling back to West Clare with her mother in the attempt to find... And come in contact with some of the family who don't really want anything to do with them because her mother was born and conceived out of wedlock. Uh, the family don't want any, you know, aspersions cast on the family now. And it's all a big scandal and secretive. So she comes over and tries to find her family and relations and stuff. And the way it's shot is the audio for it is terrible. The sound is mock. It's cheap. Some, yeah, so cheap. Cheap, cheap, cheap. And like this is the thing where like, yeah... Digital cameras have made everybody a filmmaker, documentary maker, and you can kind of see where um, no Baumbach's coming on this. There's no style to this. Now, it's a very uh, evocative and emotional story, so you don't want to, like, rip it apart. But I think it takes an awful lot away from the film, and she comes in contact with cousins of hers who are two Irish people who are from, like, another time zone. They're lovely, they're really nice, they're really open and friendly, and I'd say they totally vote yes in the upcoming uh, marriage referendum. You kind of get that impression from them. But it just... Because she is English, and she again narrates the film herself, it seems... I don't think she intends it, but it kind of comes across that it's like oh, look at the paddies, and it's looking mm. down your nose a tad, because it cuts into, the film's intercut with all this, like, stock footage from the 40s and 30s and 50s of Ireland. We're all just a bunch of farmers living in stone, 
you know, huts in the side of fields. And it just, the whole tone of it is really wrong. So what's interesting about this is that this film is on television right now as we were recording. Um, really? It's on BBC4. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is bonkers. Um, and BBC4, I think it's right. probably going to be on the iPlayer. Yeah. Um, it's got, and, but they've renamed it to My Mother is a Secret Baby. Anyway, probably one to be, maybe to be checked out. If it's on the iPlayer, then so be it. Yeah, fair um, enough. Anyway. Yeah, so another documentary then that uh, played at the festival. We've got I, I saw four documentaries. Um, the least uh, impressive, as far as I'm concerned, was Electric Boogaloo, the wild untold story of Canon Films. Um, this is Mark Hartley, an Australian filmmaker's uh, documentary about uh, a 1980s film studio who went from sort of being Hollywood's go-to people for B-movie um, film shite, churn, you know, um, and... And then eventually died a death in the early 90s. But and it's they, the same canon that obviously makes films and cameras and everything. Yes? No. It's it's, it's got two ends. Oh, brilliant. So okay. the, I actually had seen, like, it's lots of films that the likes of Chuck Norris and, like, Dolph Lundgren and people like that, uh, Charles Bronson, were all in. And apparently in the 1980s, they just made films and they were like, which Chuck will we give it to? Like, so it was a Charles Bronson or Chuck Norris, you know, and they just churned these films out. Most of them are terrible. The one, which we'll come back to, that actually did speak to me, which I think looks great, is Runaway Train, so we're going to watch that. But um, aside from that, the documentary for me moved way too fast. As far as, like, a modern documentary, the way they just seem to have about 40 people, like Molly Ringwald is in it, and they, they talked to her for about 10 seconds. And it's like he just went and interviewed anyone. And the most annoying thing about it then, um, I actually had to run out before this, but our esteemed... Um, contributor Mick McGovern told me that at the very end of it, the two guys who ran the studio, um, Menahem Golan and Yoram Globus, both these Israelis who came to America following the American dream and blah, 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 um, they aren't in the documentary. So they have no, they, they don't contribute and everyone rips them apart. But then at the end, he goes to try and kind of catch up with them and then they just say, no, screw you, we'll make our own documentary. So an identical documentary from their point of view was made as well. And that just looks like the exact same, only they got slightly different cast of characters involved. So why can't people just work together if you're going to make a film like this? And in it, they're just really rude and disrespectful about this thing, which actually kept them in work for ages. But anyway, um, next one then, Red Army. This is kind of like, you know, um, Battered Bastards of Baseball was about ice hockey, Soviet ice hockey from the 1980s, mainly about... um, a guy whose name was Falas, uh, yeah, Slava Fetisov. So he um, went from being a defenseman in hockey in Russia who had to play there for ages, then eventually became the first person allowed to leave the Soviet Union to go and play sport um, on a full wage. Like they gave him a passport. Up until then, you had to ask for permission and they'd maybe let you go and let you keep 10% of your multi-million wages and they'd take 90. Wow. So anyway, he stood up to this and he was really, he was good enough to do it. But he then came back to Russia in the early 2000s and was minister for sport that for Putin. So he's basically Putin's mate. So it's actually quite interesting. Moves along again a little bit. It, it, like some of the, this felt quite cheap as well. Like a lot of the subtitles are badly spelt, um, like this English translation errors and stuff. So, oh, okay. but it is good. If you like sports docs and battered bastards of baseball and the ESPN 30 for 30, 30 stuff, um, see it. Um, the third one I'm going to mention then is um, a slower paced film, The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, which is about um, Studio Ghibli. Uh, so it's, me- it's meant to be about the overall studio and how it runs, which is now more or less shut down since... Uh, so in the year 2013, they were making um, Howl's Moving Castle, which was directed by Hayao Miyazaki. And then they were making uh, the, tale of the Princess Kagawa. Kugua. Kagu- Kaguya. Oh, yeah. Shinji Kagawa. He played for Man United. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, I saw that at the film festival. It was very good. It looks beautiful. Like you won't see better looking but film this year. The story I just thought was too. It wasn't a hundred percent fantasy. So there's a absolute clangor comes at one point where she yeah. just says, "Can I say this?" There, here's a bit uh, of a spoiler. Brand new out. No, I wouldn't spoil the film because a lot of people are going. You're to not going to go see it, are you? I am. Oh. Anyway, there's and a bit of a people, clangor like in the when film it's, when it's been out four days. Okay, and when she been... says it, you're just like, "What?" go back a second are we supposed to be fully tuned in on this mm. and you're not and then it just goes a bit nuts towards the end but for the look alone on a it's amazing story though isn't yeah it? so you can't blame them for that 
<laughs> True enough, I suppose. You can't change folklore. But anyway, so the director of it, Isao Takahata, doesn't really get involved in this. So it's all about, you know, um, Hayao Miyazaki. They follow him as he sits there. It's a really interesting thing. As he storyboards, he does it with a stopwatch. So you see him clicking and he counts it out, blinks and then clicks again and he then scribbles that down like holding that shot for five seconds a real old-fashioned kind of thing like he's making the film in his head so the man's a genius like it's all about him and it is brilliant and um, they could have done maybe with showing a bit more archive from the studio ghibli stuff like my neighbor totoro and spirited away and all that but um really it's about the wind rises then which okay. um but that's fine and then the final documentary my last of the four is actually the one i like the most so this is a uh, double play um and uh, it's about uh, Richard Linklater and uh, James Benning. And it's not a sex film, no. No. Okay. Why? Why would it be? Because Richard Linklater. What is a double play? I don't know. Just because you think it sounds funny. I don't know what kids are into. Go on. Yeah. Anyway. Richard Linklater. So, um, yeah. So basically, Richard Linklater invites. Yeah, I like him. Invites James Benning to spend some time in Austin, Texas, on his production lot, and they they're honoring. James Benning with this award at the Austin Film Society, which Linklater set up in the 80s and everything. So basically, it's two directors spending a bit of time. Now, if you're like me, you're like, who's James Benning? And then, does the name, is he Annette Benning's dad? Is he, you know, so he, he, he won't be known to many people. He's an experimental filmmaker whose um, films uh, are like called things like, you know, Ten Lakes and Small Roads and, you know, cigarette boxes and things. So he, he films, like, the sky. Fantastic. 12 clouds. Like, he'll film clouds and ambient sound, no music, just for an hour and 50 minutes. A lot of them are on YouTube. If you're looking for kind of zone, like, in the zone. And here's another guy who makes films in his brain. Like, he talked about when he was editing the one about the clouds, and he wrote them all down on flashcards. Um, the angles of the clouds and the velocity, just so his edit from one to the other would work well. Um, but it's really wonderful, like to show the two of them. They just talk about movies for seventy minutes. It's also really, really short. Um, so it's a labor of love for Linklater, really. Um, a li- yeah, yeah, to spend a bit, and it's sort of a, like a nod to like you're one of the guys because he he then said when they set up the thing in the late eighties that Benning was the first guy he got and there to it. So they're at different trajectories in their careers. Obviously, like Richard Linklater. Um, had was had almost just won a best Oscar in in real life, whereas Benning is going around doing the odd lecture and doing an art installation in Prague and all this sort of thing. So, um, but it's really really good. Um, they talk about film and they fantastic use of archive. Like, so you talked about how, what was the the one. And ten years in the sun. Ten years. Well, Sorry, yeah. There's no? actually, but there is some brilliant, like super eight stuff, and it's just kind of trippy in this as well. Yeah. But the other one about the one in Claire, the, the canal. No, after the dark. After the dark, how it feels like it's kind of thrown together. Yeah, but yeah. With this, like they use, they only maybe have the rights to the before films and Days and Confused, and um, they don't really have much from Boyhood because it was only in production at the time. But they use it and they just they show the passage of time like brilliantly cut together, like the documentaries you like the Mark uh, Cousins ones, isn't it? The story of oh film. yeah, the story of film. Yeah, I'm just Fantastic. showing when someone yeah. has good archive what yeah. they can do with it. Yeah. So this uh, Gabe. Because everyone Klinger. thinks they can just fucking throw a documentary you together, you know. Can't. Like we went to see that um, Beyond Clueless, and it was just a compendium of YouTube clips put together. Yeah. No real structure to it, and it was so yeah. yeah. And this didn't need voiceover; it just had willing people, and it's really, really wonderful. So I don't think this could ever come out in the cinema, but it's probably thing the kind of thing you'd It'll see. Crop up on YouTube maybe in a year. But um, <laughs> that's it. That's everything. That's my festival stuff. Brilliant. Have you got anything else? You want I'm to just going to finish on years? my highlight i think because that was my i've decided that's my highlight yeah 10 years in the sun is going to be mine i saw it on friday night it's two and a half hours it's Ugh. by its director um apologies for pronouncing his name wrong ruzbe rashidi um he's working in ireland and he is kind of he's the definition of an experimental filmmaker really there's not a hundred percent of a story to it. It's kind of he was saying after it. He's more interested in that cinema is a collection of images, and cinema should be all about the image. And you know, the narration and the story isn't that a hundred percent. So There's this a- actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I don't mean to cut you off, but Benning in the documentary talked about this that he was going back and looking at the image cinema before narrative kicked in in nineteen, you know, ten or whatever. Yeah. That he was going back to when people just made images. And that's what it was about. So yeah. And this looks amazing. And it was such a contrast to have seen a couple of like 
not fantastic documentaries thrown together and you know looked cheap like this is head and shoulders above everything like his attention to like the detail in it the sound is amazing what and is just it? the lighting is there it's, a narrative in it is it just a visual could it be in the corner of so there's gallery? like three characters um the best thing it's kind of it's quite absurd and it's you know that kind of absurdist there's very very little dialogue in it and um there's a guy who's kind of wants to make contact with a guy called Scorpio and then there's another guy called Boris and you see them throughout talking to each other but it's it's also intercut with these scenes of volcano erupting which look amazing and then these traveling globes going around different scenery and stuff it kind of reminded me the uh, the kind of documentaries Koyana Skatsa and Paul Kakatsa, um from the 80s and stuff. Like it was just traveling these different landscapes. But it just, the feel of it. And even though it's two and a half hours, it doesn't drag for a second. You're kind of, I lost count though of the number of people that walked out. Like cool. it, it was very. You enjoyed that though. I love that. It was very well attended. Like I was like, oh, this is pretty good. It got, it and got a lot of. Like, I was kind of looking around and I was like, oh. Yeah, they're gone. I was like, I and it was. I was quite glad two people in front of me left because they were kind of doing my head, and they kept looking at each other, being like, "Whatever, you know." But no, it's it's really impressive, and I thought it's he's part of this experimental film society, which is a kind of classic thing that's happened to me in the last couple of days where I had never heard about it, but now seemingly everything is referring to it. There's a lot of stuff on Facebook that I've been reading and. Uh, a friend of ours, fan of the site, the seems, to be, complex. seems to be involved with it and stuff. Yeah, so it's kind of, it's definitely something I'm going to look more into. But I think the person who conducted the interview um, afterwards, I can't remember his name, but he was saying there's a lot of his films also available on maybe YouTube or Vimeo. So he's well worth checking out. Excellent. So that was Jadif. We've got a total of... T- 30 reviews up on the site we're uh, really lucky we've got loads as well from our esteemed contributor Mick McGovern he's he went to town on French uh, cinema over this I think he saw like seven French language films or six so yeah um, quite the francophile yeah so that's uh, that's it so they're all up there I like to think we've probably got more reviews than anyone else want to argue that yeah on I behalf would of anyone else be quite <laughs> confident to stand over that statement yeah we'll see anyway um thanks to jdiff again and uh, now they're dropping the j and it's becoming diff and diff. best of luck to them um okay so we've talked for a long time there i have only have one sentence about other films that came out in march chappy is actually okay and run all night is also actually pretty good what's run all night uh, Liam Neeson he's back, oh, on, right. he's back on form okay. he's making a film with Martin Scorsese next year so he's retired from the shit uh, action uh, films for a while he's taking a break yeah. is he the one with is he in that one with Adam Driver Adam Driver's been cast it was said he's going to he's been in a new Martin Scorsese film about kind of sounds like the mission where he's going to play a Jesuit who was forced with bringing Christianity to Asia and I think Liam Neeson might be in that uh, as well Silence yeah uh, yeah Ah, perfect. And and Andrew Garfield. Yes, big yeah, open he'll be sitting crying. So, um, yeah. Um, so that's something you know. Andrew. Anyway, they're very good. Did you? You actually have uh, you saw some films this month that you're going to talk about, but you're also doing yes. that in the future. So this is pretty- uh, tomorrow or yesterday or whenever you're listening to this. In the past or yes. in the future. There is a thing that takes place in the IFI every month. It's called the Critical Take um, to get a couple of people to just talk about films that they've had out during the month. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be talking about the voices, but they're also gonna be talking about White God and Goodbye to Language by Goddard. Goodbye to Language 3D. 3D is its official name. Very good 3D actually, um, for once. So yeah, if anyone's available, come along. If you haven't heard it, it was I'm sure it was brilliant. Did they record it? No. Can you record I'll it? I suggest it. They record it. Just record it on your phone. Why not? No, I don't do that. It could be terrible. Okay. Um, but you should record it anyway. It's interesting. There's a lot of these things going on, and we're in this golden age of podcasting, and people are, you know, meant to be getting back. They should be recording things like that. So True, I suppose, um, yeah. yeah. I can't attend, because I'm currently doing... Um, I'm, I'm behind a wall in the IFI doing a reading pictures uh, evening film course, which has been great. We've got to see films like The Verdict, Sydney Lumet's film... Bernardo Bertolucci's The Conformist, Repulsion by Roman Polanski. Have you seen it? No. The one tomorrow sounds fantastic. Blue Velvet. Uh, yeah, Blue yeah. Velvet. So there's a talk after, but I won't go to it. Um, Have you seen Blue the, Velvet? So Honestly. This is, um, I haven't seen Blue, okay, Vel- good, Blue Velvet. Friend, it's yeah. on that list of things. Yeah. That's what was so remarkable that I was like, oh, they've picked 
like things that are stuff you should have seen. Yes. Like Repulsion by Roman Polanski was wonderful and it came it's better than Rosemary's Baby. Like it's Oh wow. yeah, okay, cool. Um, I'll check similar it out. idea in one apartment. So yeah. Anyway, um and then the Battle of Algiers is in the final week. Um so yeah, it's a great course. So thumbs up to the i5 for these kind of things. Um, yes. That's it. We'll wrap up. I just have to, we're going to, next month, we're going to bring back the watch with spool feature. Yeah, we've got um, all our Oscars and so award season side of the way. Yeah, we're back, all this kind of stuff. So we're back to, we're going to do this slightly different. We're going to do separate posts on each of them. And uh, we'll have something up in a week or two, but we'll tell you what they are there. They're Runaway Train, which is one of the Electric Boogaloo Canon films, which um, Angelina Jolie's dad, what's his name? John Voight. John Voight, yeah, is in it. And I think possibly was Oscar nominated, which is, goes completely against everything else that they did. Anyway, so that um, is 30 years old. So I think it's a great reason to go and watch it. And then another that I just really want to watch that I haven't seen before is Safe, the Todd Haynes film with Julianne Moore, kind of uh, 20 years old, one of her first big roles where people kind of saw what she can do. So, Which has come fruition now since she won the Oscar for Still Alice. Yeah. So um, a lot of people mentioned it. So they're the two. We'll have some posts about it and hopefully um, you yeah. get to watch them. And yeah. if you have seen them, obviously let us know what you think. Yeah. Tweet or Facebook us. Yeah. Uh, so because um, Keanu Reeves is coming back into fruition, uh, John Wick is finally, Nigel's been banging on this fil- film yeah. for about I three have, years. I have <laughs> not watched this film anywhere else. This was available on Blu-ray in America, so obviously it's you know you can watch it online, you can go to America, buy a DVD, whatever. Yeah. Came out over there before Christmas, so um I can't wait. And it's coming weeks. out uh in the middle of April, so for our scene it uh we have a classic Keanu Reeves scene from Point Break. So enjoy and we'll see you next month. Thanks. Oh Can't have you walking through those doors with your dick in your hand, right? I can't do this. Sure you can. Who knows, you might like it. It's a killer rush. Buddy, this is your fucking wake-up call, man. I am an FBI agent. I know, man. Isn't it wild? <laughs>